Hello Howlers, welcome to this week's episode of Fade to Obsidian, where we will be discussing chapters 66 to 70 of A Lightbringer. So please make sure you have read up until this point in the book. Please note that we will be using strong language and drinking strong spirits, and there will definitely be talk of violence and death. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to Fade to Obsidian, your podcast about relationships and spaceships in the Red Rising universe. I am Skipper, joined as always by Crescent, and joined again this week by Summit. Welcome back, Summit. Thank you. Very happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, we're so excited that you've joined us, and I believe you actually requested at least the person in this you wanted uh lyria and cassius or lyria and volga were the two options and we get a little bit of look at you go you get them both you get them both some great chapters uh what are you drinking tonight and it can be just water (laughs) yes um so i'm and I'm at the point now. I'm pregnant, so I'm not Yay! drinking alcohol. Many <laughs> um, howler but, coming. Yes, and there are a few many howlers in the den yeah. coming this way, which is very exciting. Uh, but I did at least get my summon the howlers summit mug out, and I am drinking a burnt green tea, um, mostly because I couldn't find a red tea. So at least I wanted to dabble in the color area. I like it. I like it. All right, Crescent, what do you have? Uh, I have this martini that I made, and it's called the Bleeding Heart Martini. (laughs) Oh, it's a a chunk of beef heart. There you go. It's pickled. It's pickled beet. I'm not that insane. Nice, nice. I. I had a few ideas floating around in my head. And then I was like, you know what? I really want to learn to float. It's like my mission of this podcast is how to do like a split (laughs) um, alcohol. So like, yeah, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't reach out for advice. What do you mean? What am I pouring? The bottle? Like, are you just pouring out of the bottle? Yeah. Is get poor spouts. Exactly why? Get, <laughs> get, yeah, get poor, get poor spouts, because you most of them have like a an air brake on them that you can plug, and it comes out super slow. Oh yeah, because the thing it's like just do it over the back of the spoon. It's like I tried it over the back of the spoon. So what I was drinking was, um, I have what we had to discover was pomegranate we're on still my pomegranate kick this will be my last week of pomegranate i swear but i have a pomegranate liqueur um from greece it's all in greek we think it's pomegranate to be fair and it came out orange because the whole thing when i put in the like it didn't work so anyway then i added pomegranate juice so this is just pure pomegranate but i'm gonna make up for it so this is i'm gonna say representing lyria today and then i've got my black glitter, as always. And that can be the passage of the stains. So we'll do. I'm gonna try and 
Hold this to the camera. Oh no, I'm gonna end up with so much in it because I'm doing it this way. I don't know if you can see it. Oh yeah. There it oh. goes. Oh! I also just realized That's that I think wow. this is the silver and not the black powder. So! It works. Whoops. It's fine. Just imagine if it was black. Just imagine if it was black. Maybe later I'll find the black powder. I just had that moment of like, this is the silver. Oh, well. But yeah, there you go. More glitter. So there you go. That's my... Because we are doing... So it's 66 to 70 of Lightbringer, which is some juicy chapters and does finally explain the passage of the stained in here. Um... But yeah. Well, this past trial of the stains. Anyway. This trial of the stains. Are they not all the same? This was a well. Maybe we'll get no. into it when we get there. There's okay. there's something about sneaking into the uh, the layer of a drake and eating one of their eggs. Ooh, I want to do that. No, I don't. I don't want to kill that a drake. Tracks. I don't want to kill a drake. No, it's just an egg. Just eat yeah, the egg. but. Yeah, but that would... It's like Drake Omelette. Well, and I thought, too, in Morningstar, part of it was, like, ascending to the spire and things, too. Like, I, I thought... I didn't think that this passage of the stains that we're going to talk about later oh. was always Yeah, no, it's passage. definitely... This is just the fog It's definitely not the been what, what happened with Vol. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. Something well, to build up to. So definitely, because we are going to first start, um, so we, there's so many cliffhangers in how we're cutting these. Thanks, Patreon. Uh, so yeah. we knew last episode we ended and we were just being attacked. And this is now, um, Cassius and never remember the Obsidian's names. Uh, Sigurd. 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 Uh, trying to f kind of go into almost co not combat mode. They're not really trying to fight anybody because we've evasive mode. Yeah, because yeah, like they're... the golds get destroyed. Yeah, well, well and like so, uh, yeah, there's golds flying in and they get annihilated. Yeah, Cassius is like, all right, let's fly out of here, and Lyra is like, what the fuck. What? Are you a moron? Yeah. Like, did you not see like that? that? Uh, I do but... like that moment. And like coming into it too, it's like from where you guys ended last episode. It's so tender because they're in the lift together and Lyria and Cassius hold hands and like it's this great exchange and then they come up and like all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks yeah. loose. But I will say that the I only made two notes while listening all today, which is Two more than last week. Um, that this is Cassius says, I am your shield, stay in my shadow. And I just really like that. That it's like, I will protect you. Like, aww. We're a little sweet boy. That's what yeah, I know. Cassius, Cassius loves his little red girl. That's a little red girl. Well, but also, like, I think that's how Cassius has always viewed himself. And mm -hmm. in the beginning... He had a much more narrowed view of who he was a shield for, right? It was for yeah. Julia, 
and gold and what he thought was right there. But he still always viewed himself as a protector. Mm-hmm. And then as his life changes and blows apart and he tries to reform everything, you know, we see throughout the series and also throughout this book earlier, you know, that he he is the one that's going and trying to rescue others. He's constantly putting himself forward before others and acting as that shield. And I like that we have it stated so clearly here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud yeah. of his little evolution. Yeah, his... He- Spreading his wings, as it were. Yeah, he's totally won me over from, you know, he's no longer a little dolphin boy that I would keep on vacation. He can come home now. He he can be a permanent resident of my life. It's fine. He can not just stay on vacation. He's definitely had one of the best characters. I think him and Lyria. Lyria is another character that when mm-hmm. I started yeah. Iron Gold, did not like her. Like, why are you whiny? Whatever. And now by this point, definitely one of my favorite characters. So the two of them yeah, together. My, uh, my friend has just started Iron Gold. And it, he was on chapter four. Yeah. And he texts me. He's like, man, I do not like yeah. Lyria. Um, and he, for him, I think it was mostly the voice actress. Um, mm. But still. It's like, man, that was fast. I was about to ask if he was an audiobook listener because I do know it seems like that's where a strong segment of people that have issues with her come from. Um, I was a early Lyria adapter, you know, like before yeah. it was cool. Oh. Um, <laughs> Lyria hipster. Right, exactly. Because I just liked having a red perspective again. Yeah. You know, like, yes, I know Darrow is red and he is gold, but like his life perspective changes so much. And so I loved having that back. Um, but it is interesting. Like she, she does grow a ton, you know, and like, just like Cassius, you know, like, okay, he always had this part of him. That's a shield. It just expended for who he was willing to be a shield for, you know, Lyria always had this scrappy part of her, but it, it was such a narrowed view. Like she hadn't yeah. been exposed to anything. And then suddenly she sees how much bigger the world is and how her suffering, although very real compared to everything else. So characters can't help but change, you know, like they're thrust into these scenarios that force them to, you know, grow that way. And Rather well past the, uh, the bounds of comfort. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so nice to see these two gravitate toward each other. Well, and like, that's the thing too, is like both of them have basically lost their entire families. Uh, Lyria only has Liam left. Cassius only has his mother, like (laughs) barely. Yeah. Yeah. Withered husk that she is. Um, Yeah. yeah. So found found family Mm -hmm, as is always the theme for these books. Yeah. Yeah. So now Cassius is in the middle of this battle. Like, one, he didn't want Lyria to go out on this mission. Like, that was something that him, Darrow, and Lyria fought over. And then now it's like the whole thing slagged and he's trying to get her there safely. And then as I'm reading just about that chaos, I also had the thought of just, like, how fucked the city is. And why didn't Athena think about opening the grav lift sooner? It's part of the reason why this is like such a mess is that they they weren't going to right like yeah. they were just going to leave everybody up there and it's like you could have been doing this for like at least a few days 
Yeah. Well, and we get the, to me, horrifying, it's one of the things that from my first read through stuck out the most, is the picture of everyone trying, and we've seen it in real life, everyone tries to get to the emergency exit to get, and that's how, there's a, there's an actual um, name of the crowd compression and how so many people die just trying to get out from things. And that's what we then see is happening is they're all rushing into the sea lift and therefore nobody, absolutely nobody can get out. Um, and that to me was just a heartbreaking. There's a lot in these chapters of like, there's no major, I mean, there is Sigrid, Sigrid, what? Who Sigurd. Is Sigurd! <laughs> <laughs> Sig, our we'll new best friend, Sig. Um, we have his death, but other than, and actually, Goodman the Jolly, who I would like to talk in depth about because I'm obsessed. Um, we have him, but there's no actual big death. There is no character we have been connected to for long amounts of time in this, but there is a lot of heartbreaking moments. If it is just how the crowd is reacting later on when we see, you know, lots of heartbreak when we talk to Volga, but you know, Sig's death, uh, Goodman and uh, Fenrir's death, like all of their things. There's a lot in these five chapters that's just hits hard in different ways without it being a large character death, if that makes sense. I picked up on descriptions rather than characters, but the same theme that you're saying, uh, I feel like in these chapters and this whole book, we get these short descriptions of violence that are actually like really brutal, but he doesn't linger on them and they just add up. And so what yeah. I wrote it down for was um once we're at the feast and Lyria realizes that the table is resting on the golds yes and it's only like two sentences i mean he yeah there's doesn't linger on it but it it hit me i'm like this is like the eighth time that it's been something like really horrific and there it's just throughout everything like it just becomes this constant that like we've built up to from dark age yeah. and it gets yeah lighter and so sometimes it's like you lose a little bit of perspective and then he puts things like that in there like oh no they're still like full-on war with some psychopaths who love to torture people yeah i also wonder if it's interesting because lyria's perspective and we've talked in the past about how i don't think we've really talked about it in lightbringer but we talked definitely in iron gold and dark age of how pierce writes each point of view so like Lysander is the detail-oriented, uh, I would say Mustang as well, like they pick up just because of their personalities. Lyria, um, not as much usually, but in these chapters, like Dar if we were in Darrow's perspective, I guess is what I'm getting to, he wouldn't necessarily notice these. Maybe in Red Rising, if this was Red Rising Darrow, he would, because he's not used to it, but... Daryl that we know in Lightbringer, this is almost just another day. Like, he's so desensitized that this could have been happening throughout and we're not picking up on it. Not probably Lightbringer, but definitely in Dark Age. Like, he's not the one to ever really bring out, hey, there are people nailed to this. 
And you can't, he's a god of war. Like, there's no way that it's not happening around him, but he's become so desensitized. So I think in these chapters, having it be Lyria, she's been Mm. around war and small battles, but not to this capacity. Her only kind of real battle moments is under the guard of someone, Victra and Volga taking care of it in the mines, right? Like, um, all of that. But this is the moment where she's deep in it and alone in it that, like, yes, Fenrir, good men for a little bit, Cassius for a little bit, like, but she ends up just, she has to take it all in and be the scared little mouse. I was going to call her a rat, but I at this point don't want to and we'll discuss the term rad later (laughs) but she's like a she's not a scared little mouse but she is like she is dropped into this world that she knows the horrors of her camp way back when and we know when we open with her that's what we see but now we have it again of her picking up all these terrible world things and i think that's what lyria does really well of bring the horrors that is happening in this. Yeah. Um, Perspective for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Lyria notices a lot more of the personal aspects. Yeah. Like she notices what's happening to the people just in general. Yeah. Um, Where, yeah, Darrow is more that the kinetic and Lysander is pensive. Yeah. I will say previous to these chapters, the one time that stood out to me of Darrow noticing things was with uh, Severo torturing Diomedes. Oh. Because he's been around torture. He's been around that, but he was like, the the pulling of the molars and then electrocuting the gum was a whole new level. And also, like, watching his friend go through that. But that's the only time that I can think of as you were talking of, like, what... I saw from him and then when he described the battle the battle it wasn't a battle the ambush earlier in the book with Helios but he's describing that as a military thing I mean he's upset about the loss of life but he's more so just trying to figure out how did a level of carnage happen versus like you said from Lyria's perspective it's the the personal element of it yeah although I don't remember. Whose point of view do we see? Do they discuss the corpse crescent? The sigil made out of... Darrow's. Oh, that is Darrow's. But it's kind of... of, Like, all of them cringed at that, even several. I think several cursed or something like that. Yeah. 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 Because that's the only other one I can think of that... And I wondered if it was Lyria being... But... Um, yeah, very interesting. And we'll see as we get more, more and more that throughout this, it's kind of building to that, um, use the obsidians as monsters, which Volga gets very offended by, but that is kind of us as the reader sitting there going, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Um, which is an interesting thing. Uh, but back to the actual plot. So the other thing, so they fly away um, to the one garden and the violet who's there. So talk again about, you know, 
Lyria picking up those personal things of that Violet sitting, playing a harp with a knife and everything. Like, I love those little touches throughout this as well. So the Violet made sense to me because I think it's just like as a city is going out, like, what do you do? And this person's like, I'm yeah. just going to keep on doing my, like, I can't do anything. But there right. was, down. was, right. Then it was followed up with, there were a dozen white bearded gold sitting on benches. And I was just really confused by that paragraph. I'm like, well, are these golds? Why are they just sitting there? Why are you calling this out? Um, yeah. I wasn't sure if Crescent would have any information on that. I was also confused as to like, what role do golds have currently? Like, because they're not trying to evacuate, like, they're not trying to help Athena, I don't think. I was just very confused by the presence of the golds. I also, when they come into the battle and it says golds are coming down, it's like, which golds do they have working for them? Um, or are they just there as protectors of the city and know to keep the obsidian out and are, you know, at this point? Yeah, I think because they they didn't destroy Europa from orbit. Yeah. Right? There's still cities on Europa that have essentially the hierarchy still. Yeah. Right. Um, so that would be where those golds would come from. But it was just weird of like how, uh, I guess like, I can't think of the word, but resigned, yeah. you know, like he very much was like a dozen of them just sat there. Okay. Um, it also said that Cassius said he had been there before in that relic garden, and that confused mm -hmm. me. Um, I didn't know. It probably isn't important why he had been there before, but it also just brought up to me, like, sometimes I have a hard time wrapping my mind around, like, all the places all of them have been. Like, if the solar system is as big as it is... They're getting older, but they're still not that old. And so I'm like, yeah. what spinoff? Like, and, it, and at what point between, like, killing Octavia and fleeing with Loon when you were supposed to be under the guise of, like, nobody was supposed to know. I, I didn't know if it was after Diomedes ushered him off. I was very yeah. curious as to when in his life he would have been there. Yeah. Uh Hard to say. Maybe he went with Aja. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the white bearded golds, I think, are like the council of this city. Because um, it talks about uh, their dolphin rods leaning mm -hmm. in the nooks between their shoulders and necks, um, and their razors sitting in their laps. And I kind of took that. A black stone building with ten sides. Its sides are open. Yeah. To me... Well, just a little bit. There's the... The meeting later and we see a whole bunch of... Mm -hmm. Leadership with right. rods. Um, but those are planetary. And I assume this would be... City. Yeah, I knew when I made that note. I'm like, Crescent will know something Crescent's about this. Crescent's on it. At least have a theory. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I noticed the rods too, but I forgot. I haven't in my read. I, I read like a couple more chapters after this, but I haven't gotten to that part that I know you're getting about. 
Yeah. So anyway, they get there. They use the cool jump pads, the pedestrian. Yeah, uh, I would yeah. like those, please. Yeah. Yes. I because. I mean, Pierce, there's so much tech in the world, but I don't remember those coming up in other books. I Maybe it did, but I'm like... I don't think so. One of my favorite tech introductions, and I want them. Leapfrog yeah. pads. Mm -hmm. Until they get blown, of course, like, as they're mid-leap. It's like, yeah. 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 yeah it's a danger. Uh, but yeah, then we end up meeting... With Sig's friends. No, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, we get the Ascomani first. first. Yes. Oh, yes, that's yeah. right. And we have to... Don't don't look them in the eye or they'll have to kill you. Yeah. Like, have to kill you. Have to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, we have to... You're my loot now. You're... Yeah. And then, though, they are saved by then... your favorite. Yeah, my named, favorite named obsidians. Goodman and Jolly and Fenrir. Notice how I can remember their names, um, yes. which I just immediately love. First off, just Goodman the Jolly is fantastic. Well named that he is the Jolly because he like mm -hmm. especially listening in the audiobook, it just comes across as like the nicest, most like beautiful human being kind of a thing. And then mm -hmm. later when he's talking about how he loves parades and I look really good and he has to do with the Norwegian accent. Like I look really good with ribbons in my hair. <laughs> like just love it. I follow someone on TikTok. I should have, I think his name's like, it's Henrik someone and it's Norwegian re uh, expectations versus reality. And it's always, he always is shirtless, looking super buff, and, like, Viking-esque, and then flips immediately to wearing, like, cozy sweaters and going, yoo-hoo! <laughs> and that's exactly how I picture this, of, like, you see, like, you would see Goodman come in and have that, like, hard, you know, like, obsidian, like, whatever, and then it's like, hello! <laughs> I am Goodman the Jolly, <laughs> like, and I love him. So much, like he's just I like great. the moments because, like you said, like there's so much about you know is this color like all monsters, but then we have like the moments throughout the book of Obsidian Levity and like earlier when it's after the battles on Phobos and we get Valdir and his guys and just like their banter back and forth is ridiculous and then they are talking about tangerines like what's worse than this and they start naming off all these like very <laughs> uh, literal things of things that are worse yeah um, so it, like because that's what that's what drew me to volga in the in yeah. the first book first book of this trilogy you know of um iron gold like she's just she has that in a sense to her even though she's this was and raised to be a killing machine and then when you see that in them you're just like oh those are just yeah. adorable yeah. my sweet babies yeah mm -hmm. um but yeah and you immediately with him are like you know what like i i immediately trust him i was like leary is safe who else is gonna like admit to putting ribbons in his hair like i miss the parades because and i love like leary throughout this has touchstones to mars 
So she asks, well, it's part of her plea to Darrow of like, listen, I don't actually miss Mars. I miss the mines and has that whole thing. And throughout this book is this, but asks him, um, what do you miss most about Mars? And he's like, the parades. Like, it's just great. And then she'll later ask the copper, um, or at least is talk. No, they say like from one, um, person of Mars to another or whatever. And, uh, but yeah, all these touchstones back to Mars, back to our roots. But I just instantly love him. And as I say, it just, after all that death and violence and you know more is coming, we just get this happy moment where you're like, sure, it's great. (laughs) And then it's followed up with hunting for Leviathans with greys and golds. But but the moment... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so from, yeah, we get from there, uh, he gets, he gets trussed, trussed up and yeah, dangled by a cord as loot yes. and taken of to Holga. To, yeah, of course you have to tie me up. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. Little truffle pig. Oh. But yeah, I mean, I, this is my second read through of the book um and i remember this reunion between lyra and volga was just like so difficult as a fan of both of them um you know volga had become one of my favorite characters and i think that's why i love the books in general is pierce does a really good job with all of his side characters you know they're also dimensional yeah. and you learn to root for them and things like that and like you're expecting like He's literally traveled through space to try to find you. And then it's just this like cold greeting um, from Volga. You know, like Lyra doesn't even recognize her at first, which is crazy. And she sees like a reaction in her eyes or something like that. But it's just this like stark, cold moment. And I was as a reader who's like a fan of both of them and just wanted it to you know i knew it wouldn't be easy right but yeah i was hoping mm-hmm. there'd be a little more a little more love found there yeah but volga's gone through a lot and she's trying to figure out all of where she is in the world yeah yeah the the fact that he doesn't just like say and i see volga right it's like i i he describes this obsidian and then it's like, and then her eyes meet mine and she flinches. And that's when she realizes it's Volga. It's like, oh boy, what has happened in the last year? Yeah. Is that how long it's been? Roughly. Yeah, we were trying to, well, Badger was trying to figure it out of based on what we know from battle, how long we think, like, from, um, the moon in the beginning the trash moon to yeah. like how long they've been be on there the to moon. this to like we think yeah, yeah I, guess I think it was like been a year. 10 months on the marcher or something yeah. and then, you know a couple a couple month ish long travels sure. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it would be around yeah. a year yeah it's a substantial amount of time and you know when you're 
thrust into a completely different world trying to survive, you know, and Volga's always been a bit malleable. Um, you know, she's never known her place and that's a big part of her character. Um, so it went from survival. Yeah, you know, that's enough time to pass. It, that makes yeah. more sense for how we get to the Volga that we see. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, like she she talks about 11 days in. She's like, yeah, I, I was going to kill him. And yeah. then wiggles his way out of it. Yeah, the um, we get the the hollow cube from Severo in that chapter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's how Lyria wakes up, which I love that of she can, you know, I think she's like confused at first of like, why the hell can I hear Severo right now? And then realizes yeah. what's happening. Yeah. It's one of the best Severo moments we've had in the book. It's been a rough book for Severo, right? Yes. Like, yes, it has. <laughs> um, and to hear him, I mean, we got, we got part of it, you know, with, kind of started with him and Cassius in the fight. That was kind of the turning point. And then him and Athena yeah. and the um and and all of that. But to hear him talk about Ragnar and then to talk about his own dad. And it raises this whole concept of absent fathers or even if they're present, like fathers who have this identity that is so much bigger, which is also Darrow. I was gonna Max. say, yeah. Yeah. Um and really, like, any of our main characters have... We, we have a lot of characters who are, like, sons of major fathers, right? So, like, Virginia being their daughter of yeah. Nero, a main ruler. And, um, you know, even Cassius, you know, his parents all held positions of power. And so it's, yeah. like, having... Even if your father's around, which for Volga, Ragnar wasn't, but, like, it's, like, the father they knew some things about, but then it was the whole rest of the world telling you about your dad. Right, yeah. like here's what everybody else has to say about your dad. So I thought that's an interesting theme for Pierce to play on because it's not. It's clearly Volga has identity issues, you know, through no fault of her own, yeah. but it's trying to figure out where does she pull from and who does she listen to. For sure. Well, and for her, like, yeah. So Ragnar is not around, but Ephraim became the father figure, but wasn't like. Not to say anything too bad about it, like let's not let's not say too bad about the dead. But he also wasn't that great of a person, like at his no, core. Exactly. Like, let's he had his he own was, trauma. He was deeply, and, deeply hurt. Yeah. Yes, and and took it out on her. So even then, you know, her quote unquote found family was not necessarily like her found father was not the best. That now having someone who is, as much as us as the reader knows, lying. Well, it's hard because we know, like, Fa is faking being Fa, but I think he does genuinely care for Volga. Like, we see that when he's talking to Atlas of wants to take her just to a safer place and all that. So as much as he is lying to her and he is doing these terrible things... He is acting from almost a place of love when it's around her and she's going to eat up everything he says, whether or not it's truth or lie, because she finally has basically stability and it's just unfortunate that she doesn't get to see him 
as the like gentleman that we know he could be she only sees him as the warlord but has still given in to the major like still trusts in that which is interesting yeah the fact i mean the brainwashing and deep desire to find home and family and acceptance are like real strong right yeah um because lyria is i mean straight up says like he ate ephraim's heart and she says something she's like she repeats it like he ate ephraim's heart and she's like that's a sign of respect and it's like yeah. she's already just taking the bait oh, hook sinker yeah yeah and he clearly has figured out he knows either him or atlas what is every line that they are going to feed her let's preemptively get ahead of you they because well, yep, he said she'd say, uh, he said you'd say that. He said you'd say that, right? Like, mm-hmm. like really interesting of that. Of let's get ahead of it so that we know. Like, I don't have to come up with the excuses later. Here they all are already. Well, and like you said, it's easy to poke holes in Ephraim's like love for her. Unfortunately, and like I love Ephraim again. He's like another one of my favorite characters. Yeah. That's why I like the second um, half of the series is because we have these great uh, supplementary characters. But when Volga rails on him, like a lot of what she says is true. You know, she says yeah. things like he treated everyone like a tool. You know, um, he used me from the day he met me. If I were not useful, he would have discarded me. And Ephraim came around but for most of the time she was just pining for his love. You know, she yeah. was waiting there at the bar, wanting to have another drink with him, following him out, trying to save him. I mean, it was her chasing him. And uh, so now she has someone that's chasing her right from a, from a family yeah. point of view, who's trying to bring her into the fold, who is showing her what this should look like. And, it's a messed up version of what it should look to look like, but she's finally getting that from somebody for maybe the first time. Yeah. And she doesn't know any better. It's not like she, you know, grew up and could see what her friend's home family was like, home life was like, like she doesn't know what rather than like what people tell her. Like she can only, yeah, she got the grimace slave kennels. And yeah. The dogs. Yeah. 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 And Lyria notices, too, um, I think she says, like, there's always been a dark part of her, a part only willing to use the gun she so fancied. And, like, so she knew this part of Volga always existed and that it was, you know, get the right person in, they're going to pull it out of her. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's basically every character in this book, right? It's every human. We have dark and we have light, and it's just who are they going to be around what are they going to follow? Who's going to actually um, be able to lead them in the right way? And Volga's just not in, a, not in a good spot. No. No, for sure. I was glad she got to hear about her dad. And she got to hear about it. Mm-hmm. From Zabro. From Yeah, from somebody who considered him a brother. Well, and brings out the good and the bad. Of like, mm-hmm. don't listen to the myth yeah. of your father. Right? Like, because everyone has become so obsessed and that myth can be changed so much. So, like, let's talk about this. That, like, yeah, he did good things and he did bad. But, like, 
here's who he was and here's who you should be. Um, and, you know, and says, like, you didn't know him and Fa didn't know him. So, like, Fa's connection and this link of, like, that's my child, like, it's just pure DNA. So, no, like, you don't get to pull that of, like, oh, well, like, we are the blood of Ragnar. Like, yeah, I guess you are, but also, like... What does that mean? Yeah. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the second time in two chapters that we get the imagery of the shield. Because as we know, too, Ragnar is like the shield of Tinos. Oh, yeah. Too, though. Severo even says, you know, he was a shield and goes into that. And, you know, we have these characters with rough edges and killing tendencies and things like that. Or um, we got a lot of of softies and a lot of people that are just trying to protect others. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, I you're just... Talking... I'll go. I was going to say, you were talking about, like, signs that Fa was feeding her to yeah. and, like, things sort of preempt this or protect against it. Um, and she goes on her criticism of the Republic, mm. which... Some of that's pretty valid, too. You know, it's like, how much has really changed in 10 years, you know? And we know that, um, and that's not necessarily a fault on the Republic. I mean, this whole, again... It's a galactic empire, like... Yeah. Right, and the whole second half of the series... How much can you reasonably make that quickly? Right, great, you won a war, but then building is a lot harder, and they're still at war. Yeah, Um, yeah. Well, and we know of the obsidian abuse. Like, Volga calls it out, and we know that's why Sefi left. Like, we've been dealing with this ongoing theme of the obsidian being having loss of life higher than any other color during this war, just because they are the ones bred for war. And it's why Sefi in Iron Gold gets, you know, like, you know what? I can't do this to my people anymore, and now we're just repeating it here so Volga's statements echoes her aunts I feel like we never actually referenced the fact that Sefi would be Volga's aunt um yeah like it's very we, we've seen it repeated so yeah when they're talking about it of course like what's Lyria's response to that going to be when it is proven time and time again that the obsidian continued to get used by the Republic in the same almost manner that the society had. Um, like it is a difficult situation. And the same of a lot of the reds. I mean, that's where Lyra's anger and frustration and everything started from was because, okay, great. You freed us, Mm -hmm. but this isn't free. No, yeah. um, so you freed us from what you thought we needed to be changed into. And uh, she, somebody, I can't remember if it was uh, Lyria. Yeah, I think Lyria mentions Harmony. But we yes. get this comparison of Volga to Harmony of um, that bitterness can breed entitlement. And that had the potential for Lyria too. Like Lyria was very much going down that path. Yeah. And 
100%. So we've got here showing us this danger from what bitterness can lead to in three women in the novels. And it's like, I don't know if it was intentional to have that happen with all three women. Um, Because I don't, I can't think of another character that we, I'm sure there is one, right? But that, like, that um, feeling so wronged by, like, a lower color that's feeling so wrong, feeling like, you know, the Republican turned on them. Um, And that really carries that in such that all-consuming way that it takes a good person and turns them into potentially a monster like it did with Harmony being the most extreme example of that. I would say almost Ephraim. Like, I don't... Like, he's just on that cusp because he's lost Mm -hmm. so much because of Republic. He lost Trig. He lost friends. He's lost all that. That we do see him in his, um, you know, uh, definitely drug drug addicted or substance addicted to any to some capacity not knowing how to care for people but you're right that harmony and almost volga well we all basically and laria calls it out of you are turning into her like are you going to start um enslaving women to breed for your armies like are you going to be doing this uh, yeah, Ephraim never killing babies. Yeah, Ephraim never got <laughs> like... to that capacity because, like, like, but I think he is on that path because of you know he feels so wronged by the Republic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely walking around with middle fingers in the air. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. um, is Ephraim the real Slim Shady? <laughs> Too bad he can't. <laughs> can't watch it. Yeah. yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, this I, is... I was, yeah, I was just going to say, of like such a, you know, beautiful speech from Lyria to try and win her friend back and call call her out. Lyria has had so many back-to-back speeches of calling out Darrow, calling out... Um, and just standing up for herself in through all of this and just spitting the truth. Like she's gotten yep. really good at just calling it as she sees it and leaving the rage back. Like before we saw rageful Lyria, now it is like the anger's still there. She's a little bit of a spit, um, fi- spitfire spit still fire. by... I was going to say spitball, and then I was like, that's not it. Spitfire. It's spit something. Um, You're spitballing, it's fine. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, like, she's still got her oomph there, but it's it's now being directed in such a good manner of, you know, she's almost becoming... Like a politico. Like, she's someone that I can see yeah. leading the Reds. I could not, in Iron Gold and even Dark Age, as a leader. But now she's someone that, like, let's say, leads Reds or joins the Daughters of Ares or whoever, Sons of Ares, and helps them through that, like, linking. Because she is becoming so good at connecting with these people and mm-hmm. uh, and getting them... To at least listen. We know Volga does not... I think she etches. She cracks the surface a little bit. But Volga definitely... Um, is she lays the groundwork. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think it definitely oh, yeah. made it 
dent that yeah. it needed to make. She's scoring the glass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a good lens or mirror for people. Like, she forces them to look at things that they didn't have to otherwise because they're not around people like her. They're yeah. not, like really like what does Lyria have to lose too like i mean in this situation it's death probably but like yeah. what what's like for her and like darrow like yeah she's terrified but also like she's on a ship with him he's either in a under back or you know like she doesn't ha- she's not one of his soldiers she's not um you know somebody that works in the household or lives there like she's this outsider that's been thrust into this game with all of these big figures. And she's learned that what she can do is speak her truth and be tough in her own way. Um, And like remind them of like, there's an entire worlds plural of people out there that are like actually the ones that you're living and fighting for. Like that's what Lyria represents. She represents everything outside of the battle. For sure. Well, and I think it also helps, as you say, of, like, she's this outsider. But she also, I think, at this point, no longer fears her own death. I think she almost sees it. I don't know if as inevitable, but she's not scared to put herself in those positions because she's more yeah. worried about Liam. She's more worried about getting the world to a place that is good for her nephew. And so that's we see, like, she sits out, spits out the suicide pill because quote-unquote suicide pill that's my favorite (laughs) on principle i throw it in the ocean (laughs) and i like that she also doesn't give her a second one i know she's like like, you're done a tin of mints (laughs) and she's like that's on you now yeah Um, but yeah yeah, i feel like lyria has faced down her mortality several times at this point um and that's that's absolutely leading to her kind of just not giving a shit about it. Yeah. It's like, I would rather make, make the world's better for the people I care about than worry about whether I'm going to be in yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And that links well to one of my favorite lines in the whole series is at the end of this chapter, which is what once Volga shows her the heads of um, our, our jolly friend yeah. and Fenrir are you afraid? And she says, I've been afraid since I can remember that I ain't given up. Mm. It's like, girl. Yeah. Red tenacity. Love it. Human love tenacity. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then we get one of my, like, it's an interesting little interlude of a chapter of Lyria and the Copper who is very yeah. interesting of this slave copper who just like, I don't know. It's funny. Cause I think a lot of the times we just like coppers are administrative, but we often talk just as like the lawyers, but it's literally someone who's like standing there with the list of like, this is all the food they need. And like, this is what like, it is so just like yeah. list oriented. And this is what I've had to do. <laughs> I know you want to talk about the copper, but since you mentioned the list, I do want to talk about the scale of this party and how I okay, want to go yes, to it. Like, yes. Like, not a death-killing party, but, like, it was 400,000 liters of mead and 600,000 liters of wine. And I was just like, that's, yep. like, how yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's like any wedding on steroids. Like, they do know 
They do know how to throw a good one. Oh, yeah. 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 And what is, like, a hundred thousand Oryx? Like... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a feast. Yeah. Yep. How you keep them happy. Oh, yeah. And That's, I, I like mean... How I was going to say, uh, parties is literally how um, the French settled Canada is. So here's a fun fact for you is obviously Canada being crazy cold. Europeans kept trying to come over and would just die off. Like the Vikings first in the 800s couldn't last. Uh, The French came, then the English came, and then the French came back. Uh, and Quebec City is the oldest uh, European settlement in North America. And the reason it was able to sustain itself is because of the parties they would throw all winter long. Because that's the only way to keep morale up is that they would have these giant feasts every week in order to get everyone well fed and wanting to stay there. And then eventually um, they end up bringing over, because it was all men, They, this is a little, there's what's called the Daughters of the King, which were all, they rounded up kind of every woman who was lower class on the streets, around 16 to 18 years old, and shipped them to Canada to be wives. Not the best portion of our history, but oh. yeah. That, um, that sounds more like French history than than Canada's right. history. They're, like they're the ones that did it. They're the ones who did it into Quebec, though. So True. It's but it's not like still... Quebec was like, give yes. us wild. women. No. Maybe they were. Um, uh, but I, um, I guess, yeah, maybe. But yeah, anyway, so then... First, but, but women... Oh, I was going to say, a lot of women were actually willing to do this because they knew that this Quebec life was kind of better than living in France because, well, I'm getting well-fed and, like, a husband and, like, a position and land and stuff. But the tradition of having parties, especially in cold places, to kind of keep up that morale is is one that the Vikings use, is one that, that Canada was basically founded on of the only it's way literally to stay how alive. Describe, it's how I describe Minnesota winter yeah. to people. I'm like, no, it yeah. makes it okay. Like there's like festivals, there's like, there's always something going on every weekend. People are getting outside. Like that's what makes it bearable. So, okay. Between the Vikings and the Obsidians and us. <laughs> yeah. We're all in it together. We're all in it together. You gotta, you gotta somehow keep your spirits high. But it is a way of winning people over to your side because, well, what are they gonna do if you know? Oh, I no longer want to be here anymore. All right, no more food, and you're gonna be freezing. Have fun. Good luck. See how that works for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and just she... scale that up to however many hundred thousand. Obsidian Braves. Yeah. I appreciate when there's dust. They're they're no longer happy and all of a sudden here I go murdering again. Yep. Well, and I appreciate when Pierce does put in things like this list to try to help the reader wrap their mind around size because I have a hard time with that throughout this whole series and like any big sci-fi. Um even like the size of ships, right? Like when we're talking yeah. about there, like how we're 
kilometers long and things like that. So that, like, I, I knew it obviously had to be a large force that they landed with. And this is only part of their force. They still have the rest there that's um, protecting uh, Demeter's garden. But, like, it's just mind-boggling numbers. So I'm like, okay, once you start talking in food and drink, I can process that. Yeah. A little. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it would take me forever to drink all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then we do... Also, the copper is really good at explaining the situation of the obsidian, of counting the islands, how many... Okay, fourth island. And Lyria's response of, like, it's a hierarchy. Like, the hierarchy's back. And I don't remember the exact quote, but basically it's like, if you have only lived in a house that's square what how like what uh shape do you build your house and mm-hmm. makes it very interesting of you know we've seen it as well of like i almost the reds kind of harmony creating not necessarily a hierarchy but trying to get rid of the gamma at least um but it very interesting of how the copper lays it out of like this is what's happening like this is this is how it's going down and what they're creating is just um another world which we did know from the last chapter that volga's been reading the ancient histories mm-hmm. and is said like basically is going through of like history repeats itself but is studying like alexander i think genghis mm-hmm. khan like all of those big people of like this is how they got there and then now we're doing it like Right. It's okay for all of them. Why isn't it okay for me? But yeah, it's the the repetition of the hierarchy. I will say, I know this is outside of our chapters, but uh, Quicksilver's whole Pablo Rasa thing, yeah. you know, I mean, that's what he's trying to avoid. Um, yeah. The whole plot line to me is a little bonkers and I don't know if we will ever see where it goes right um but that's his that's his whole argument for it is that and that's why he doesn't meet them or the the, at least hasn't so far is because he's afraid that he would influence them in some way and then and they would be coming from your square house and then they would start to build that way um but it's like that's scary it's like is that really the only way to avoid this (laughs) is to have a brand new generation yeah which, I, I mean, we definitely should have a deep dive. I would love... I am a big person of nature versus nurture. And so even if that, even if they do not know... We had a whole thing of, do you teach them any of the histories? Or is that going to tell them one thing or another? But then we know that, like, there's the famous quote of people who don't learn history are bound to repeat it. So is there a case there of even if you don't come from the square house. Is it just a human nature for us to, you know, have those moments of, well, you're the best leader or like whoever has the power grab. That's better. Like a a good leader to me leads from within. But if there's someone who just says themselves of like, I'm clearly the smartest here, that's where you then start getting the power and however. So, oh, I would love to go back into all of that. Um, at some point, but 
it's oh well, yeah we're gonna have a deep dive about mm-hmm. that one but I think for sure that's a good call out of can can a society be built in the way that the like that the society in the book is trying of making everything a true republic making everybody equal because we're seeing already in these chapters that it's not even working out a little bit for the society um but better at least than the sorry it's not that vice versa that the republic is um how are they working out or are they just going to become a different society or aspect of it um so yeah very interesting all of this and how the obsidian are dealing with it all and the other thing I wonder too is like, okay, the the obsidians, yes, square house, but how much of it is Atlas? Oh, what hundred percent? How much? How much of it is like, split them up, make yep. them lesser than. Yep. And and we have no issues. Well, and if if we're okay to make the jump because it's right around the corner there to the passage of stains. Yeah. I mean. That's all Atlas's manipulation of Fa, too. I mean, he told him several chapters earlier that his Fa mentioned something about bringing Volt. Like, I want to retire. I want to have my fancy yeah. villa here and this and that. And I want to have my, my granddaughter, who calls his daughter. And, like, Atlas bristles at that. He's like, I know you think that that's not going to happen. And Atlas tells him, like, I think he even says the words, like, you have to get our hands bloody or something like that. Um, but that essentially, like, you have to bathe her in the same shame that you have. So she can't just turn up your her nose at you. So that's why he starts putting her in charge of some of these yeah. hunting parties and things like that. But, like, this is the ultimate way of, like, what a yeah. shitty father slash grandfather yeah. slash father of, like, nope, I'm just going to bind you to me by giving you this intense emotional trauma that you'll never be able to shake the rest of your life. And it involves killing your only friend. Yeah. Here's the giant lodestone of shame. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it's all Atlas. It's Atlas that puts it in his head. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's like a good Atlas. One. Everything's Atlas. It's all Atlas all the way down. It's like it's <laughs> turtles all the way down. All the way down. <laughs> I got you. I immediately got that reference. I got it. Yep. Um, yeah. Super interesting to think about that of you're right. Of, I mean, and clearly the copper doesn't know, but Atlas is just, it's the easiest way to control, is to divide, to, and the way he praises, we see it with the hunting parties of they go through of this is who killed this creature, and this is who killed this one, and this is who gets the honor of, like, he killed the Leviathan, like, and it's this, like, praise of the third band that we saw repeated in the laurels in red rising of look what the gammas are doing and all of this that it's like okay like even if they are equally fighting and doing what like whatever like this is basically a laurel is what they're having in that laurel tide yep oh 100 and those those atlas imprints are how Arrow starts to put it all together too before yeah. Diomedes opens up to him about what happened on the bridge. But it's like there's a there's a somebody pulling the strings here, right? Yeah. Like this is not 
the obsidians that he knew where you know where they were at at that point you know he doesn't know as much about the Ascomani, but they have a shit ton of research and knowledge and things too that virginia shipped over and it's uh yeah like atlas seems to be everywhere all at once <laughs> and they yeah. talk us through it of like how the timeline was supposed to go and like how so much of this started 12 years ago but yeah it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around and also how he's like so willing to like he started this 12 years ago for octavia for himself but like he's so willing to like throw that aside and just insert lysander um and as like the new piece so yeah um i don't know it's, all... it's just a big question mark to me yeah it's super interesting how all goes down well is that kind of it for our conversation with the copper uh so then we, oh, we well we get the suicide pill larger yeah we get the suicide pill though we did touch on that but i just absolutely love that and then it's a breath mint because this thing is gonna go into your mouth and it tastes yep. like rust at like just Cows rust and cowspit mm. how does Lyria know what cowspit tastes like? i also wonder that how does Pierce know what cow spit tastes like? Like, is it really that different than, he, like, I guess human spit and grass? I have questions. I don't want them answered. Because if you, oh. if you message us answering that question, I have a lot of questions about you. And it's just a never-ending spiral of it's questions. Just... <laughs> Atlas all the way down. Atlas <laughs> all the way down. Um, is that going to be the title of this episode? Just Atlas all the way down. We'll discuss. Maybe. Atlas isn't even really in these yep. chapters, but no, he's, still he's not. Everywhere. But he's still everywhere. His imprint. His, his imprint is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have the big feast. We have the big party, and then Fa yeah. shows us how he's going to win win over slash just bind his granddaughter to himself in turn yeah the rest of her well and lyria at this point like so she gets the thing taken off and bulk is like she is going to like be blasphemous against the all father and lyria does lyria calls it out of who Instantly. the all father is like it's like yeah but then nobody's paying attention because fa hasn't asked for their attention so it's Good attempt, Lyria. Good attempt to your audience of just sig. A for effort. <laughs> yeah. Tries. I would Tries love. Hard. I would love to know though if in that moment, if there is a slight panic from Fa of how have they even guessed that it's Atlas. I guess I hadn't thought about that, that this is probably the first time that it's called out to his face. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like, does he think that they've left, you know, oh, it's impossible to cover all of your tracks so someone will? Or do they I, think they were doing such a good job that nobody would track it back to Atlas? I think, I think they were a little prepared for it, though. Because Lyria brings it up to Volga previously when they're in the room with the Hollow Cube and yeah. stuff. And yeah. she mentions Fa and 
Volga says, no, I've already talked to him about that. Like, yeah, he, she, he broke free from Fa in the Kuiper belt. From so I wonder if there were already... Yeah, I wonder if like there have been other mutterings of his relationship with yeah. like of Fa and Atlas. And so maybe it doesn't stand out to him very much, or maybe they did expect somebody to put it together, because obviously he preempted it a little bit. Yeah. Yep. That's a good point. Um, we yeah, see this... that Sig captured too. Yeah. He's there with his like him, a trident, probably a whole bunch of gold. Yep. Um, and this is where we get there is a moaning sound and she finally realizes that golds are being like put on, is, on, under the table and being, uh, yeah. Um, horrendous. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's a very interesting, so feasts happening, but this gore that's all around. Um, and then... So Sig's dad, let's talk father-son. Right, speaking of. He's there and does not come forward for him. Not yeah, even a little. Just called out by him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So talk about, like, mm -hmm. someone who we don't that know their relationship previous to that, uh, but at least you would have assumed if Sig had followed him to this ends that there was something there. Like they clearly have at least been raised together. Unlike let's say Ragnar Fa situation. Like, and then nope, he's not going to stand with me. He's it's a mm -hmm. very interesting relationship there. As we, well, we were warned. Son. A little bit when um, Darrow first comes across him and yeah. says that, you know, it is one of the Volk that he recognizes, um, that he's cowardly, um, greed-driven. Like, we know this isn't the most stand-up guy to begin with, but even then, it's um, the divide to see him sit back. And we know that he doesn't really like Fa. Um, right that he's not like a strong follower follower of his, but he's not willing to put his neck forward to protect his son. Who's yeah. now this prisoner of war, like gift of um, handed over by one of the bands. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But that's kind yeah. of then uh, Leary's grounding point of at least they can speak to each other and kind of have a little bit of, you know, back and forth in that moment. But seeing how tall he stands and she kind of has this, like, somewhat it's going to be okay, even though I don't think she truly feels that. I think she feels that until the gauntlet comes out and she realizes the passage of the Well, chain. and he's the one, because she's Who mimicking says, him. we're fucked. <laughs> like, uh, he's the one that comes out and says, we're about to die in a very painful way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hadn't, I didn't know that they had a whole special device for that. I thought Fa just ate hearts, but apparently they've got... To the right of the stern. Yeah. Up, wait for the click. <laughs> Comes with instructions. A little yeah. manual. 
Yeah, it's yep. great. Um, just because these two things happen at the same time, which is fascinating to me, let's talk Leviathan for a second. That we get the mm-hmm. Leviathan brought in. We know it is the house beast or whatever of... Yeah, the sigil beast of sigil Calabar. Be- yeah. The one that Slavro earlier said that yes. he really wanted to see. Iaxeres. Yeah. 300 years old, which I think is so cool. Um, for the record, the um, current, current living Greenland shark is three to 400 years old. So that's what we're talking about. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's there wild. is, if Greenland sharks um, existed, like people throw around dates of like, they can be older than the United States. Like they were around in the 1700s. Like, yep. Like the one shark. I'm not talking the species. One shark can be known to be 350 years old. Like, so that That's was wild. where my mind That's went wild. with this. Is like, this is how much human history this Leviathan has seen, which I think is also really cool as a world building device of when did the carvers start making these? Well, at least 300 years before this. Like, so. The carvers have been doing this for a while. Well, and like I said, this was my reread. I remember this scene for many reasons. Um, I forgot that it was alive. Yes. When they... Yeah. <laughs> and it gets explained after these chapters how, because I was still like, I'm like, but how? <laughs> how is all of this happening? How is it's the thing with the funny. thing? Yeah. Right. But. Yeah, I love it. And I really like that the two go hand in hand. And Lyria's, um, she ends up distracted almost by a lot of the Leviathan and then goes back to what's happening of, like, the ceremony of, like, oh, someone else is dead. They're cutting off the Leviathan's fins. And it flips back and forth of this giant beast being killed while these humans are being killed. Like, I really like that kind of back and forth. And what's happening of, like, you would assume that she would just be all consumed with the fact of coming down the line is basically her death by her best friend. But I think this is, we talk about how she's basically already accepted her death, that she can be distracted enough of, like, there's colors changing over there. What are they doing? Like, what's happening? Like, really interesting, that back and forth. So I just wanted to call that out because they'll fit together as we have this discussion. No, for sure. And Pierce was very intentional with doing them together for that reason. But, like, she's also probably distracted out of, I mean, self-preservation isn't the right term because she doesn't know that she's going to be. But, like, your mind can't focus on, like, the super horrible thing that's yeah. coming your way, right? Like, yeah. she's her brain is trying to track onto anything else. Like, she's still, she knows which one's dropping at which point, and, like, this one's still standing and this one's not, but, like, you're grasping for anything else um, to yeah. avoid this horror. Yeah. And, I mean, like, the, like, she is really, really like mournful about the fact that Foz just like yeah kills the thing right and it's just this super old kind of majestic beast 
Like, what a waste. Yeah. Well, and we and know Volga looks away. Volga is, like, doesn't want to watch it. And that's what I was about to say. She's also upset that her friend is letting it happen. Like, at least yeah. we see part of old Volga of, like, okay, she's she isn't okay with this, but also, like, okay, like, this, this is what you want to be a part of? This is your family? This is what you've been longing for and have found? Like, this that their culture so disrupts everything else, though, that you've wanted in your life? Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel bad for the Leviathan. We know I love all my mythological mm -hmm. creatures. But I think mm -hmm. this one especially is done with such, like, fuzz hacking at it. Like, continues. It takes them a while. Yeah. yeah. And, like, has to get through all the scales with its stupid trident. I'm like, how? Like, I don't know. It just seems so pretentious to be using a trident against it. Um, you are not Poseidon. Yeah, he, was, he was just given it as a gift, so he has to use it. He has to use it because he thinks he's Poseidon. He's got a trident. He's going to kill the Leviathan. Like, no. He's going to try to kill the uh... Leviathan. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to see it because the chapter ends with it. I did not see the repeat of the dead horses coming. Right? <laughs> Yeah. All that. And, I and think at part the last moment, like, Sig is dead, Lyria is about to be, and it's Volga hesitates, and then, boom. Okay, think back yeah. to your first read-throughs. has let loose. First read-through. So you did not see it coming. I didn't see it coming. I started picking up on it as the chapter was going on. Like, why, like, what... What's happening? What's this blister? And then, yeah, like... You, you've got the dead horses. You've got uh, Thebes, I think, is the moon. Or the asteroid that they use. The proverbial oh, dead right. horse. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, it's not... It's not uncommon. But it's certainly unexpected. Um, well... But yeah, once kind of, I think for me, once once she starts focusing on like this large blister, I'm like, what? Hold on, what's happening here? Yeah, yeah. He definitely starts to let us know like those like last few paragraphs. But yeah. I think because the Leviathan was alive, like that's part of why my brain, because the horses were dead. Yeah, yep. um, yeah. My my idea is that there was dead horses that they cut the belly in, and then we actually have discussed on this podcast of how do two people fit in a dead like how big is this dead horse like whatever that you're right in comparison to it's like what the fuck do you mean you're in a a live like you Jonah and the whale it like you somehow got swallowed by this next, we will find out later yeah how it all went down but. But like, I know this there is, was... This is not the first time Ragnar cut That's himself true. out of a sea demon's rectum. Like... Apparently they don't like to chew. Um, but I know there was like some initial like, rump, like light debate in the fandom when the book first came out and people were doing their first reads of like, 
I think some people were critical of Pierce for like rehashing a move like that. I loved it. Cause I love it. Yeah. Like part of what I love about Lightbringer is that it does have so much of the feeling of the first trilogy too. And so for me, that was him on the nose doing it. Like it was a wink and a nod and saying, these are the same mangy crew that, yeah, these, the the original, the original guys. Like, yeah, yeah. What more do you want? I mean, because Severo is in one of the de- like Severo lives in the de- like Cassius yeah, and Severo Darrow is... do not, but Severo is a dead horse with Tactus, right? It's the two of them. Yep. 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 I didn't view it as lazy writing at all. I felt no. I viewed it as very intentional. Of like, oh, our characters are still the the ones that you know, the ones that you love and all of that. Yeah, for sure. I love it. And I like the reveal that even then, like you kind of like, who else is it going to be once it's like this black figure? You're like, there's only like, who else yeah, would be coming? Like demon, it would be crazy. A black demon comes out like followed by two others. Right. Like, yeah. And then and wielding two swords. It's like, Oh, and I, yeah, mm-hmm. and then one is in the shape of. Right, no, like it, well, like yeah, originally it just says he's got two swords, and then it and then it really digs in. It's yeah, like it's one like, curved sword. It's like, and then the helmet comes. I feel back like that's Darrow. <laughs> but like you said, Skipper, it was just in the nick of time. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, so we kind of missed the passage of the stains. We got too excited about the Leviathan there. Um, but to, so to jump back, like, Volgaliria, what are views of, you know, Volga at the last minute stops from killing her best friend? So I was really, really thankful that Pierce gave us that because Volga does decide on her own. And I couldn't remember in the reread if it was Darrow coming out of the Leviathan that stopped it. And I'm glad that we saw her take the action. Like she, um, yeah, her will to kill me crumbles. The gauntlet sinks to her side. Like we know she would have stopped anyway. And I think that is so, so, so important for her character, for their friendship. And like there, there isn't a question, right, yeah. of were you going to f- go down this? I mean, she already killed 11 people, which is still pretty damn bad. Um, but she like was yeah. able to stop and, you know, realize this is her only friend and that she does not want to go down that path. For sure. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I also forgot on this. This is my third read through and I forgot that Lyria did not, or sorry, that Volga didn't makes that choice rather than Darrow. Like I was sitting there being like, when does Darrow pop out? Like when, what's happening? Like when, and I almost, I forgot that Sig died. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah. Like it gets all the way to that moment. It's not even like Volga's questioning at Sig. It takes to her at like her friend, her one friend in the whole world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We didn't lose her all the way. Yeah, I really like how Lyria like kind of drives the final nail into the coffin of of her not going through with it. You don't have to be broken like him, Ephraim's daughter. Yeah. Done and dusted. 
so good. Yeah. It was a great, great end to a chapter. Very great end to yes. a chapter. I, I was listening to this today um, while I was making lunch. And it gets to where Darrow comes out and his, his helmet slithers back. And I like li literally jumping around the kitchen, like fist pumping. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Since I ordered so many copies of Lightbringer, um, <laughs> because there were all like the different, like we got the one at Hell Archon and we got like a, you know, yeah. so I had multiple ones. So I have my one that I wrote in the first read through and I chose, I, I like rereading that one. Um, but yeah, I think I like scribbled all over the page on that. Like, hell yeah. Like it's very, yeah. it's a very cool word. That's awesome. Then um, shortly after that, because we also had those of us who are at HellerCon, some of us signed each other's books and I told yeah. people that they could stop wherever. Shortly after that is where Crescent signed because you're like, favorite chapter. Ooh. Sorry, which one did I sign? Um, I think it's next it's week's discussion. I assume yeah, some Clang Clang. 73. My absolute favorite chapter. 73. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end. So with the passage, we got this chapter. We got Lyria and Volga. Lyria and Cassius, for sure. Severo mm -hmm. and everyone, it appears. Uh, all the fathers. That was an interesting call out of I don't. I never made the connection of how many father-son relationships are called out in this thing. Any other comments? Things that we've missed? Um, I really like that we're that we get well, five this set, but six total uninterrupted Lyria chapters. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like when it's just jumping back and forth to her, it like kind of does her a little bit of a disservice but like when she just gets to like roll through chapters yeah it's a it's a good time for sure and i also liked separate from that but as far as like chapters and pacing and things um we get into shorter chapters like these yes. are really quick um some of the ones right before mm -hmm. and right after are as well which is intentional but like with some of the battles or things beforehand. I mean, they were like punky boys, like on audiobook. Mm -hmm. It's like almost some 30 minute chapters and pacing is really important. And like what we're getting into now, like the pacing just escalates from here up. For sure. Yeah. We, uh, we go from, yeah, there's some that are 33, 35 minutes. I think 35 minutes is kind of the, Oh, sorry. Nope. Of course it's a Lysander chapter. 46 <laughs> of minutes. Of course it is. Later? Yeah, nobody yeah. Do we have to deal with that later? No, that's early. That's oh, early, God, early. We're done chapter with it. 15. Okay, thank you. I was like, uh, I don't want another one of those. Yeah. Oh, no, there's another. No. There's another long one. It's a Lysander chapter. Of course um, it is. He's got a monologue. But it's worth it. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, okay. But yeah. We, uh, We're not spoiling at all that one. I yeah, I really, I dig the the quick burst chapters. It's yeah. like there is nothing more 
punchy than Pierce at his at his action sceniest. Well, it was so that calls it today. I was driving home from work while listening, which is how I usually consume these uh, before we record. And the last chapter is, I think, six minutes and forty five seconds. Yep. And the way my I have a my um, car has a screen and I have the map up on one side and it'll show the audiobook on the other. And when it's doing the duel, I can see how close to the end of the chapter it is, but not the second. So I purposely like went in to just show the audiobook because then you can see how many minutes and seconds it is. Because I was sitting there at the end being like, wait, does the reveal not happen in this? Like I couldn't remember. I was like, where, where's the reveal? Like, where's right the reveal? The and it is. It is five seconds to the end. And that chapter alone is six minutes, 45. But feels because you get so much. You get the passage of the stain. Yeah. You get the Leviathan. You get, like, Fa's reaction. Like, there's so much happening in that six, less than seven minutes. Mm-hmm. That I was like, there's no way that this is the portion that they pop out of the Leviathan. And it is, like, this, the, you know... The last five seconds is that, like... Yeah, his helmet and slithers back and he howls. Yes! Ooh. So good. It was a good, a good sprint chapters with a lot in there. Yeah. Actually, we did, we did have a couple um, longer chapters in this. Yeah, there's like, uh, like 67 is 25 minutes. Chapter 68 is 24 minutes. Yeah. It did it's just take- the... The, the total is brought down by a six-minute chapter and a ten-minute chapter. <laughs> yeah, because I listened to On the Way to Work and Home from Work, so it would have been just short of two hours of listening, approximately. I listen yeah, to some I always... music in there, but... Because I don't want to ever get I... to work. Like, I have to cut it of, like, oh, the chapter's ended... I'll put on, which then I'm like, do I, yeah. what music do I listen to after this? Like, I get into <laughs> Something a whole, moving. like. <laughs> Either that or like, metal. That. Well, that's, there is a um, song called Skull, S-K-A-L, by, I, it sounds traditional. I don't know if it's actually traditional. Miracle of Sound uh, is who is I listen to. Is it The Longest Johns? Oh. No, it's Miracle of Sound. But it's so obsidian sounding, and it talks about mm. feasting and the whole, idea of it is like these viking feasts and so i listened to that on like a loop today because i was like (laughs) not actually what like the meat of the chapter is but also like meat of the chapter is meat of the chapter oh (laughs) well on that note good segue into crescent what's on your t-shirt worthy we're worthy today I thought it was. I thought it was very fitting. Very. Fitting. Uh, I, I went. I the front of the of our chapters with my yeah, honorary means, but just means. enough. I will say I switched to worthy. I love rum. that shirt. I switched to worthy rum oh. halfway through, mostly yeah, inspired because I, I went. Oh yeah, worthy. I had a red rhubarb summer's bee for Lyria, and Ubdal uh, scotch. Yeah. Um, so worthy is from howlerhollow.net. Yeah, both mine and summits are. Oh, that one is as well. Why did I not? Yeah, that's why I raised it up. 
Yeah, there you go. There you go. I am in my complex female character shirt that I have worn often. Um, I am going to give a shout out. We don't normally give a shout out to who created this shirt, but it's Jordine. Um, I will link below because it is all nerd stuff. This one is actually created by Sam Maggs. Uh, who is an author who is fantastic, he does collaborations. Uh, Jordine with V. Schwab has had collaborations, um, and Sam Meggs. And Sam Meggs is who interviewed Pierce the first time I saw him from Morningstar. She was the interviewer. Uh, but they do a whole bunch of great stuff. Uh, most of the Sam Meggs collection is around this mentality of the nerd girls and trying to claim back our space. So... She's got, this one is unfortunately no longer available, but I'm, I looked it up and I unfortunately closed it, but the newest one that they made, I'm going to pull it up and it is something along the lines of like, no, I don't know anything about video games. It makes a good joke about the fact that Sam Meggs writes for video games and people just assume that women don't know anything about that area. No, it's literally the t-shirt you can buy is, I don't know anything about video games. Um, but yeah, so that's where, it's Jordine, Jordan, E-N-E -E at the end, uh, clothing, take a look there. But yeah, that's where my complex female character shirt comes from, because I love, I've worn it quite a bit, so give them a shout out. Uh, we have our own shop, redbubble.com slash shop slash fade to obsidian. Just look up fade to obsidian on redbubble. We'll find it. And we currently are holding the expect me competition. We know of oh, at yeah. least two people who are both graphic designers who are submitting um, things you have until the beginning of February for that. I think February. Also, still waiting on a Pela 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 shirt. Oh yeah. That I was supposed to make. Uh, have not. Yeah, Shocking. come on. Where is your um, post-it note of things that you have to do? Here. Um, yeah. Not an artist. <laughs> that's fine. I'm not either, and the rest of the stuff is well done. No, we have Slink as well on there. Um, but yeah, so if you are watching this, you can still get your designs in for expect me and for that one we are saying that if we'll give you half the half the profit so we don't make a ton on merch like anything yeah we've made like merch. 12 dollars total maybe so but this might be the thing that makes us all millionaires so yeah. design a, when design, I got a design a dope shirt that everybody wants and you'll get paid perfect <laughs> when i got to that line i did think of you skipper you. I did not realize I blew expect me so out of the wall, like out of proportion. Out of proportion. I just became. I mean, you, you were a stan, like you, like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is the best thing ever, and then like we want it does not reappear until Lightbringer. And I don't know why in my head I was like, it's in every book. <laughs> no, it's not. I just want it in every book. It's in every uh, series. Yeah, sure, sure. I did say in um, when I nearly got a tattoo, I almost broke my tattoo roll in Tulsa, and then at the last moment did not, and I was going to get Expect Me written across <laughs> my arm. <laughs> be great. It would have been awesome. Right? Maybe one day. 
Maybe one it's a day. shame Pierce has to die before you can get a tattoo of any yeah. of this stuff. <laughs> that's, that's the exact rule. I don't get tattoos no, for anybody who's alive. So you're, you're going to be Pierce. 80 and it's like, okay, finally I can get red I can eyes get and the tattoo. tattoo. <laughs> Wait, are you going to say he's going to die at the age of 82? That's, wow. He's not that much older than me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why not? Sure. This, this just in. I guess. <laughs> Pierce dies at the age of 82. Let's not put that in the world. Pierce will live a long life into late Pierce hundreds. Pierce will... Uh, he will yeah, be the first will, one to live to 130. To... Yeah. yeah. He'll get blue veins in his eyes. Salve rejuvenation. I was gonna I was gonna go on a whole thing about like, would you do that? But I feel like that's a whole other episode. You'd of... be... Yeah, you'd be silly not to. <laughs> I have, I have thoughts about it, but I feel like, yeah, this is a different episode, not this one, but, um, Summit, thank you so much for being here today, and please make sure you come back for our, <laughs> the middle of Lightbringer to Red God, that awkward phase we're gonna have it's gonna be our teenage years where we don't know oh, what's happening awkward phases that's like I where know, i thrive right <laughs> um yes we we have discussed talking about just the red women and i feel like you you have brought Ooh. up so many things with harmony lyria a few of the others that you might thrive there but i don't want to put thoughts or ideas let us know. Let you as the listener, let us know if you want to join us one day. There is a Google Doc. I need to send it back out to people. Um, sorry, a survey. There is a survey of, uh, you know, you can submit what you want to either see or if you want to join us. Send us some thoughts on that because we've got probably about a year and a half until red god comes out we gotta fill that time with something yeah um, it's like another 70 episodes yeah we're gonna do deep dive analysis like nobody's ever done <laughs> i can't wait episode. to i can't wait to have the nope. episode just on the two instances of expect me that's where we're gonna get with this expect me to blow this out of proportion <laughs> <laughs> the skipper story episode title right there all times yeah um so submit what you want to either join us for or just what you want to hear even if you don't want to come on uh there is if you are in the patreon i'm gonna call it out right now that you can submit your questions for everybody to answer for the survey uh, we'll be closing that up soon, and then everybody will be able to answer survey questions like we did back in Red God, Golden Sun, uh, so that we can have an episode. Yeah. Sorry, what did I say? <laughs> Red God. Red God! <laughs> Guys, everybody knows about it. Red God, but awesome. It's the it's the reverse of every of uh, mm -hmm. Lightbringer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, submit those so that we can get everybody's opinions on what happened in that book, where that's going to be a whole episode. And then another, and then we're also going to send out for people to send us answers via voice text so that we can get some of your opinions and voices on here. Uh, that'll be the episode after all of this is done. But next week we are back with Hawking, 
who is possibly the only person to read the series more than Crescent. So, as we did last time, I'm just going to sit back and drink, and the two of them are going to do a deep dive into some clang, 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 I believe. Right? That's the... Yeah, well, just a little bit. Swell That's just the a thing with bit. the stuff. Some clang, clang, clang. All right, I think that's it. Thank you, yeah. everybody, for listening. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Yeah, it's been Thanks great. For- Bye. Bye.